You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So since we had a bye week, I wanted to sneak in a little something, something. Um, And that is the NFL draft. We haven't really talked about it at all. Um, I am, as a lot of football fans are becoming rapidly, a giant fan of the draft. I think, you know, I don't know exactly where I heard it, but it's one of the fastest growing sports events of all sporting events. I'm not going to elaborate beyond that because I don't remember the exact thing and I don't want to sound dumb, but it's pretty big. And so I want to kind of feed that a little bit, you know, and as I said, as we get closer to the end of the season and considering we had a bye, I feel like this is sort of a fair time to throw this in. Um, And since this is, I think, the first time I've talked about the draft at all this year, um, and please understand this is not me saying, well, we're doomed, obviously. It's just a look, man. We're just peeking at it. Not necessarily, I mean, I I don't want this to sound complainy, like, well, let's turn to the draft and find out what we can do because this is terrible. We're just looking. That's it. No need to read into it any more than that. We're even, we're going to look at quarterback, you know, kind of like when I look at teams that are playing on, on Sunday. Obviously, Jets-Bills, we're going to talk about eight seconds about that game, and then a little bit more in-depth with, you know, the Vikings game. So we might look a little bit more at linebacker than we will at quarterback, but I just I just want to walk through it. Just if, if you are not, and I, I honestly am, am behind. I'm, I'm kind of up on a lot of the names and where they go to school. I have watched probably less film than I have since I started actually caring about the draft. So wrapped up in this podcast and all the other dumb projects I had that I've since just about given up on. So I guess you can say we'll walk through this together and I'll introduce you to some of the names that I know of and kind of give you the the background as to their journey as you know with how long they've been at the top or they knew whatever and then um, as I begin to watch more of these people I'll start to give more opinions on them because most of the opinions I have are 2018 tape because I watched a lot of that stuff during the off season and things have changed since then. Does all that make sense? I think it does. Speaking of, and I know I said I wasn't going to be talking about Patreon and stuff. However, um, one thing I do for those that don't know is I track all the major big boards around the NFL and I aggregate them into one consensus big board. And um, I've got about 300 and some total prospects. I used to have a website, but websites cost money, and it made me no money, and it's just, I don't know. I don't like to do things that don't make money. That's just, with the exception of these t-shirts, um, <laughs> most things I do at least are on the positive side to some effect, but I decided to cancel that and just the time and everything else, but I am still tracking it on occasion. I just updated it yesterday, and what I do is I update it for the people that are donating to me on Patreon. I put it in the the Pack Daddy Premium Facebook page or group. And by the way, I kicked a bunch of people out of there because I don't see them in Patreon. I think I was just like audio auto-admitting people in there. If I kicked you out wrongly, just go ahead and join again. I added some questions, basically, you know, 
who are you, why are you here, what's your name on Patreon, whatever. Um, you can see the list there, and then um, at some point I will get that list up for my patrons. Bottom line, if you want to see it, you're going to have to donate on Patreon. Otherwise, you know, we'll just talk about it occasionally on here. Not all 350 people, but some of them. If you're curious about Patreon, by the way, and I probably should explain this more often, one of the links in there is uh, what I call Link of Links. It's a Linktree links link. Basically, you click on it, and it takes you to a bunch of different options to click on. It just kind of cleans up my description. I'll probably just go back to the old way, just for less confusion, but anyways. The important links are there. We've got GoFundMe. And thank you very much to Tom for your donation. Very, very much appreciated. We've got the Packers fans against cancer GoFundMe campaign going on right now. We are over $600, uh, and that's after 19 days of trying to raise money for the Madison Childhood Cancer Foundation. Very, very happy with how this is going. Um, very little doubt at this pace that we are going to reach our goal of $1,000. We're almost there. Again, if you have a few bucks, I think five is the minimum, but I'm not positive. I haven't seen a, a donation less than that. But uh, at the very least, please check it out. And uh, if you have a, a buck or two sitting around, just consider throwing it at this. It's a pretty awesome cause, obviously. And, um, oh, yeah, T-shirts. I think I am going to get that other design today. This isn't how I planned on doing it, but I really want it. So I'm <laughs> probably just going to do it. I'm going to lose so much money on these dumb T-shirts, I swear. Whatever. I like it. It's a fun venture. Sometimes you just got to do wrong stuff for a while. And then your wife comes to you and tells you you're being dumb. And you get all upset and prideful, like, you don't know. And then you argue about it. Then you realize she's right, and then you get rid of it. For all the young, unmarried entrepreneurial types out there, that's how it's going to go for you. And it's a good thing, by the way. Not, not saying it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. You need someone to tell you that you're dumb in your life. If you don't have someone in your life telling you you're dumb, go find that person. Just a little advice from, from, from the pack daddy. By the way, um, I, I don't see anything on the audio here that would suggest that you can hear it, but I, I can't imagine that you can't. Really, really apologize for the sound of the squealing whatever this is. This computer is, is just, it's done. It's screaming for me to shoot it, begging me to shoot it. And I just, I don't have the heart or the desire to, to go get a new computer. But um, if and you can hear something and you're like, what is that weird buzz? That's, that's, it's what, I, I've got like blankets covering this thing. You should see my, uh, my studio, by the way. It is, it is pretty hilarious. I have laundry baskets as, you know, like those, what do you call those things you hang up on the wall? Sound absorptions errs. Yeah, so I use laundry baskets scattered around as well as toys and a vacuum. It's pretty high-tech around here. Second bit of advice for anybody that wants to start a podcast, it costs you nothing. Everybody I see that wants to do this is like, all right, I got like this four-month plan of how we're going to build this, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to cost only $4,000. We're going to have all these great visual effects for our audio podcast. Anyways, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm ranting. Why don't we just go ahead and take a little break? We'll think these things over, discuss our life choices, and we'll meet back here and talk about the draft, all right? All right, you guys know why we're here right now. We've had this talk before. You still haven't bought your seats. And look, I don't want to have to keep lecturing you about this, but, you know, when you, when you, when you grow up, there are certain things in life that you, you just got to do. And one of those things is to kind of man up and buy some tickets. It's a real thing. It's in my parenting book. Don't worry about it. Point is, I actually wrote the book. It's not finished. I'll let you know. Point is, taking the family out to go see the Green Bay Packers is, is just, it's one of those things 
that if you don't do it, and we're running out of time, you're going to regret it. And you're just going to say the same thing you said last year, which is next year we'll go to a game, and you know you're not going to. It's time to end the cycle. The cycle of despair of not going to a Packers game. So why don't you just go ahead, download the Vivid Seats app. I'm not saying you got to buy it today. I'm just saying just download the app and just, just flip through it. Like, barely even look at it. Like, you're watching TV and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, what news? Oh, yeah, seat's cool. Yeah, great. Just just kind of f- see how it feels. Think about the fact that when you when you do buy seats, you can earn Vivid Seats rewards back. Think about the comfort and security that a 100% buyer guarantee provides you. And the soothing satisfaction of entering promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive up to $100 in discounts because it's your first time. The jubilation of that. Mmm. I envy you, to be honest. I really do. That first time buying Vivid Seats tickets, boy. <laughs> Wish I could go back. But I can't. I could only encourage you to do what you need to do and check out Vivid Seats and buy you a couple tickets. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, us days what's us days it means exclusive offers just for their customers just to say thanks like up to twelve hundred dollars to upgrade to any new phone no i didn't just misread that that's up to twelve hundred dollars off they must really like you us days at u.s cellular exclusive offers just for you just to say thanks right now u.s cellular customers get up to twelve hundred dollars to upgrade to any new phone terms apply all right so why don't we just start this the way we kind of always do thing and just things and just go position by position talk a little bit about the the need and the desire whatever and then a little bit about the prospects first things first quarterback so still and and the thing with the consensus board just so you know because there's probably a couple like psychotic crazy draft people and psychotic crazy draft people are very opinionated about stuff which is fine but just know that on a consensus board things tend to lag because i'll i'll look at boards only no more than 30 days old, which means some of these are three weeks old. Some of the people are a little less quick to change things or whatever. So there's a little bit of a lag. So when the media is like, boom, this is our new favorite guy. And you're like, yeah, that's my new favorite guy too, because whatever. The the, the board's going to ease it. It'll happen. It just takes a little bit of time. It's a slow, gradual change. And the only reason I bring that up is because the current... <sighs> I would say that if, if I had to put it into terms, uh, forget the board, it's kind of a, a toss-up between Joe Burrow and Tua Tago Tungovailoa. It's going to be hard to remember to keep saying that because, you know, if you just say it how it's spelled, it's Tagovailoa, but apparently Tungovailoa. Anyways, little bit of indecision. I would I would venture a guess to say most people now are kind of on the Joe Burrow train. However... There's also that aspect of what Tua can do with his legs that Joe can't. Are you looking for more of a pure pocket passer as opposed to a, a dual-threat quarterback? Now you have to factor in the injury to Tua. But he, the, the board right now has Tua number 4, Joe Burrow number 10, which is a massive climb for where he's at, Justin Herbert at 13, which I think a lot of people probably have him lower, but that's one that's slowly kind of drifting downward. But he's still relatively high. Um, and we used to have like, I don't know, four, five, six sometimes potential first-round quarterbacks. Those are the only three right now that are in my top 32. There are four other quarterbacks that are currently second-round prospects. Jacob Eason out of Washington, Jake Fromm out of Georgia, Jalen Hurts from Oklahoma, and Jordan Love out of Utah State. 
After that, there is a massive drop-off. Uh, 174th overall prospect, K.J. Costello out of Stanford, is my next highest-graded quarterback. Yes, I'm going to phrase it that way. Some people get sensitive because I don't personally grade them and make my own board. It's a consensus board. I'm going to say my board. I'm going to say my grades because these are grades or ranks, and it is my board because I created it. I'm not implying that I did the work or any of that kind of stuff. So let's just relax. Uh, this is also actually an area that uh, PFF agrees so far and, and for the most part. Their top five quarterbacks right now, and this was from in the midway point, they did sort of a mid-season update of the college football prospects, and they've got this uh, PDF. And I, I just, I, I cannot wait for the day, and I don't know if and when it's going to happen. I have a feeling it's going to, when they just have a PFF for college, I am going to, they're going to get all my money because I'm, oh, I want that so bad. But in the meantime, we get these little updates with these PDFs of here's what we have so far, some of the stats and grades and whatnot. They're ranked to a number one who is their, I think, number one overall prospect, at least was. I'm guessing Chase Young probably took over. Um, Number two is Joe Burrow, who they have ranked 15th, then Justin Herbert 16th, so they also have them very close. Then Jake Fromm, 39th again, only three in the top 32, and then Jake Fromm and then Jordan Love, who's 57 overall. So not exactly the same, but kind of in that same vein. Now, I don't want to go too in-depth, like I said, because we're there was a question in the Facebook group, if Tua were to fall because of his injury or whatever, would we pick him up? Let's say we're, you know, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to assume we're not going to win the Super Bowl or whatever, but forget the whole Super Bowl thing. If we're picking in the 20s, you know, I think 21 is the lowest you can be while in the playoffs. I'm not positive, but it's in that range. Let's say that's what we were. We, we get in as a wild card somehow and, and, you know, just get beat right away. We pick 21. Tua slides because, you know, you, you got guys like Chase Young, you got Jerry Judy, you got the Tuas and the, or I'm sorry, the, and the, the, the from, whatever. My brain is not working right now. The guys I just told you about, all these guys have to go, right? That You can fill a good amount of names, and let's just say the injury is kind of one of those, maybe it's kind of a career, not career ending, but it could cause problems. If he were to fall, would you take him? Or you could say that about any of them, right? Because there's so many variables, and we're only talking about 20-ish, 25-ish prospects prior to, and there are some solid prospects in this draft class, obviously. If one of the really good quarterbacks were to fall, is it inconceivable the Packers would pick them up? I don't think it's inconceivable. I think the Packers are, especially when we're talking about a premium position, they're going to have a really hard time saying no to a quarterback that is number one on their board just because they don't need a starting quarterback. Now, that doesn't mean we're looking to move on from Aaron Rodgers. It just means we can't not take this guy. So it's not impossible, but I don't want to just, because then we can look at first-round prospects for everybody. Man, this is deafeningly loud, this dumb computer. But again, if you're just starting the process, these are kind of the, the top guys to look at. Again, I'll, I'll run to a Tua Tungavailoa, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jacob Eason, Jake Fromm, Jalen Hurts, Jordan Love. Now, one of the things that I think there's less than usual is dual-threat quarterbacks. There's usually a, a pretty good handful of them. There aren't that many, especially if you start looking at the later-round guys. Um, I've only got three, and the only reason I bring that up is because I tend to think... I, I have nothing against pro-style quarterbacks, and I don't know at what point you have a cutoff to where they're a dual-threat, because I know it doesn't mean run first. I, I tend to think of it as, as a guy that has that ability. I, I think the Packers want someone like that, although it's obviously not a requirement. But if that's something that we were looking for, uh, the only three that I have outside of those top quarterbacks 
would be Bryce Perkins out of Virginia, Sam Ellinger out of Texas, and Khalil Tate out of Arizona. I don't think any of those are overly appealing quarterbacks, but maybe guys that we could look at as picking up sort of later on in the draft. If we're not really interested in that or don't care about that, if I had to highlight one person that's somewhat intriguing, it's someone that's not even on my my, uh, big board, which would imply that, because I have to have at least, I think, three people grading them in order for them to even make the list. Um, The, what is this now, the fifth highest or sixth highest graded-ish quarterback via PFF is actually Charlie Brewer out of Baylor. Just if you're looking for a name that maybe you don't hear about as much, they've given him an elite passing grade, um, elite intermediate grade, elite deep grade. The only sort of below average grade that he has are big time throw percentage, but percentage is just number of times you do it, which could be a scheme thing. So, you know, again, if you're just looking for kind of a later round, maybe kind of fellow, maybe check him out. I don't know. Anyways, again, quarterback is not that big of a thing. The only reason it comes into play is if somebody slides, if one of the big three slide, or possibly if some of these second-round-ish guys, maybe the Packers really, really like them, you never know, especially if the Packers are picking like 32nd, because now we're basically talking about a second-round pick. It, it comes into play. Is there interest in a Jake Fromm with the 32nd overall pick, or a Jacob Eason with the 32nd overall pick? It's not obviously none of our preference, but it, it is a possibility. Um... Let's do running back. I think prior to the success of the running backs, it was a much bigger, I don't want to even say concern, but something that we had considered as a potential first round because there's a lot of talented running backs. And I've got right now three, and it's still essentially the the big three that are first round picks. Um, Everybody knows about Jonathan Taylor because he goes to Wisconsin. A lot of people are big fans of Travis Etienne. The most underrated guy is the guy that I have had graded as the highest running back for a very long time, and that's DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Now, maybe everybody's kind of caught on at this point, but he has consistently been the top highest ranked running back for several months now. And uh, currently I have DeAndre Swift 20th. I have Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin 22nd and Travis Etienne out of Clemson 25th. Essentially, the, the biggest thing with these guys, and maybe it's why DeAndre Swift is so much higher, it's not because he's necessarily a, a better running back, but with Jonathan Taylor and Travis Etienne, you're just getting, I, I guess if I had to give you an idea, think Leonard Fournette, especially I think with Travis Etienne, but I don't necessarily even mean build, but just these these kind of pure running backs that are going to offer very little by way of catching passes. DeAndre Swift is extremely versatile and able to do both things. So if you do, and I think every team wants to be able to have a back that can catch passes. And again, with the the evolution of this running back situation where we have two running backs that can run the ball and catch the ball, this is not as big of a of an issue. I guess the biggest question, th- there's two questions. Number one, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are... Um, become unrestricted free agents in 2021. So they're under contract through 2020, but then they're, you know, not. That doesn't have to be a big deal, but it's possible we lose one of them depending on the situation. You know, running backs, as much as we love them, especially when we're looking at Jamal, you're looking at a guy that probably has more value than the Packers want to pay him because of Aaron Jones. So you look at that. Aaron Jones has been healthy, but he's had issues with that. Dexter Williams, we don't exactly know. So it's it's not impossible that they take a swing at some point. 
I'm just kind of to the point now where I think it's relatively unlikely that it ends up being one of the big running backs. If I had to guess, it would be similar to what they've been doing. You start looking maybe around the fourth round or later. So, I mean, you're you're in the 100s, right? Probably if the Packers are picking late, like 130s. Fifth round would be around 160, 170. In that range, I'm looking at guys like Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, uh, Lamical P. Ryan out of Florida, A.J. Dillon, monster out of Boston College. Guy is just a absolute beast. Uh, possibly Trey Sermon, Oklahoma, Kylan Hill, Mississippi State, Scotty Phillips, Ole Miss. Those are the guys kind of in that range. After that, I have a massive drop-off. Scotty Phillips, I have about 190 out of Ole Miss. The next guy I have is 260, Reggie Corbin out of Illinois. I, mean, I just realized how late it is. got to get rocking here. So yeah, in general, I don't expect it. And because it's running back, right, quarterback maybe, just because it's such a premium position, you can't pass on a premium quarterback because, well, we don't need it. I just, I, yeah. running back, I could see them just passing or, you know, trying to trade back or whatever the situation may be to get out of that spot so that we don't have to draft a top-tier running back when we've already got a really good running back situation. Wide receiver is where it starts to get interesting because that is something I could see them taking a early pick on, especially, again, if the Packers are picking late, because now we're not talking about, you know, do we really want to invest that high into, like, a Jerry Judy, who I have number two on my board right now, who's been consistently the top player on the board. The only guy now that seems to be solidified in front of him is Chase Young. But we don't have to worry about that because we're not picking that high. Um, And this is a relatively stacked wide receiver class, but as far as first-rounders, that too has also fallen off. I've seen as high as like five or six, and there could still be about that many that end up being in there. But right now, top 32, if I'm being strict with that as being the line, right now I have Jerry Judy, number two, CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma, number seven, Henry Ruggs out of Alabama, number 12, LaVisca Chenault out of Colorado, 18. Now, Jerry is sort of the do-everything guy, sort of an Odell Beckham. I like to call him Odell Beckham Jr. Jr., Henry Ruggs is going to be your straight speed guy. Now, I really, really like Henry Ruggs. I remember when I was watching Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs was the guy that was just taking my attention away. Like, why are we not talking about that guy? Because he was the one getting the ball all the time. He was burning past everybody. And I remember thinking that would be a great pickup for the Packers. Here's my problem, though. The, the, the Packers seem to want and need and like speed, and who doesn't? Especially if it's really quality speed, not just like a Trevor Davis speed, but a guy like Henry Ruggs, who's a good route runner, you know, really, really good football player who happens to be fast. The biggest problem I have with that is that Aaron Rodgers seems to be having a problem getting the ball to those guys. And I, I don't know how to how to exactly quantify that or what exactly the issue is, but it seems to be an issue. So I'm kind of torn on, do we want a guy, like as, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? Take a good wide receiver whenever you have a good wide receiver. But just in, in terms of theory, do we want a guy that is a straight burner as his primary asset, the guy that's going to get, you know, maybe not as many balls, but he'll get those, you know, three receptions for 87 yards and a touchdown? Or do we just want a, a straight-up really good route runner, and basically another Devontae on the other side, or somebody potentially in the slot that can be a really top um, top guy? The, the, the earliest slot receiver that I have, by the way, is Tyler Johnson, who I have 43rd overall. So a, a potential guy to look at if the Packers are picking 32nd who could be kind of in that range uh Tyler Johnson is out of Minnesota 
another really, really popular one. I don't have him super high on my list, but uh, Mark Jarvis, who I worked with in the draft podcast and have done a lot of work with, is very, very high on K.J. Hill um, out of Ohio State. But I, I don't know. I think it, I think it's an interesting thing. And at the end of the day, they're just going to take somebody who's really high on the board, and I understand wanting that that complimentary speed guy. I mean, if, if you look at look at how impactful Tyreek Hill is, and you don't want to turn away from that because when you have somebody like Tyreek Hill who is as good of a wide receiver, but the speed itself is what kills you. I mean, just think for just just one example of how it kills you outside of just running past people. When he gets into a full sprint, first of all, you give him a massive cushion, and then the cornerback bails. I mean, while he's still 10 yards away, the cornerback is going to turn and run to not get beat. So think how, how much like a, a, a 10-yard curl is going to help. When you're in a full sprint and you run 10 yards and the cornerback is 5 yards away because he's trying not to get beat and you turn around and the ball's just sitting there because Aaron Rodgers is you know obviously very accurate and good with timing and all that stuff, it's an automatic 10 yards. It's a first down every time. And then you get guys who are like, well, don't let him have that. So they're sitting, they're, they're, they're camping around 10 yards. If he's in a full sprint... And you're not turned and running, it's over. It's game over. The only solution to that is to bring safety help. And if you have safety help, you cannot double Devontae. And if you do, you're just shooting yourself right in the face because you can't double two guys. And so I, you know, just just looking at that stuff is like, yeah, dude, I give me rugs all day long. But I also can understand just getting a, a solid route runner. You've also got guys like LaVisca Chenault who are sort of the, you know, do-everything, wild-card kind of guys that you can put in the slot, you can put them outside, you can put them in the backfield. I generally have, um, when it works, it's great, but these are the types of guys that I think tend to work out less often than than people expect. These are the guys that get drafted, and it's like, we just got to find ways to put the ball in their hand, right? They're, they're kind of good, even like punt and kick returners, you know? Ty Montgomery. He's sort of like a Ty, a better version of Ty Montgomery. But again, one of those guys where it's like, we just got to find ways to get him involved. Now, again, if he ends up being a really good player because he actually excels in all those things, he excels when you put him on the outside, he excels in the slot, he excels in the backfield. It's one of those things that everyone looks at and say, how could you dummies pass on this guy? But again, it's it's just one of those that I'm, I'm wary of. You know, sort of, sort of gadgety guys. Like, well... I don't know that he's necessarily an elite wide receiver, but he does so many things so well. Yeah, but what if a lot of those things don't translate? And now we drafted a pretty good wide receiver in the first round when we could have gotten somebody even better probably in the second round as a just pure wide receiver who doesn't do all the gadgety stuff. So I don't know. Those are just current general thoughts. Uh, Some of the other guys that are probably second round-ish, you've got uh, Jalen Rager. He was for a very long time in the first round, just slowly slipping out out of TCU. T. Higgins out of Clemson, another first rounder that is slipping. Tyler Johnson, who I mentioned, out of Minnesota. K.J. Hamler out of Penn State. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. And then some others that are in the 60s, kind of close in that second round range. Uh, Devontae Smith out of Alabama. So we've got three Alabama wide receivers possibly in the first two rounds. Justin Jefferson out of LSU and then John Hightower out of Boise State. Some guys just to check out. Give you a couple more names just for the heck of it. In the top 100, Sage Surratt out of Wake Forest and Colin Johnson out of Texas. A lot of different flavors too. I mean, you got the really big guys. You got the fast guys. You got the do-it-all guys. You got a couple slot guys. So depending on what you're into, there's there's a couple people to check out, but um, a little bit of homework, I guess. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, tight ends. Uh, Albert O.K., Albert Okwegbanam. Not sure if that's... I've, I've heard other ways to say it, but I I was talking to uh, Mark, I think the last time we recorded a podcast. That podcast is defunct, by the way. I shut it down because, you know, again, try to start projects, don't have the time, got to do the right thing. Anyways... He gave me some pretty good advice and to not worry about how to pronounce it because mispronouncing names at this point in the season is just kind of part of the gig. So I'm just going to embrace it right now. Albert Okwegbanam is how I've been saying it. It's how I'm going to say it until I get enough pushback on that. But he was top dog for a very, very long time. He has now slipped on my board or the consensus board, which is to say most boards, down to fourth. Do not have anyone that is in the um, first round conversation and right now only have one that is in the second round and relatively late-ish second round that's Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue Bryson is six foot five 245 and I, I look I'm not saying we need a new tight end because I understand we just drafted a guy but I really think at the very least Mercedes is probably gone because he's due for a contract Jimmy's under contract for another year so we'll see Maybe we don't want to dump everybody at once, so Mercedes goes. We keep Jimmy for another year, and then we dump him next year. Either way, we're going to need to address tight end at some point, just from a depth perspective. The question is, do we want to go early, or do we want to trust that Sternberger's the guy and, and maybe just focus on some other stuff? I don't, I don't really know. But uh, they've got an NFL comp for Bryson Hopkins of Eric Ebron, which is both good and bad. Uh, they've, they say elite speed for the position, safeties have to respect the vertical threat, fluidity along his routes, adept at avoiding jams. Um, with that said, so he's, he's fast and he's a decent enough route runner, but um, not a 50-50 guy, right? He's not very big. He's 245 pounds. He's 6 out of 22 in 50-50 balls, which is terrible. He's undersized, not a good blocker, so pure kind of receiving guy. And I just don't think the Packers necessarily want that, especially as much as they emphasize the run. I think they like a Mercedes Lewis type of guy who is going to be a... And, and look, they drafted Jace for a reason. They, they So he's going to be sort of the Jimmy Graham. I, I think, if anything, we, we need a Mercedes guy, which is to say a guy that is a very respectable blocker, but somebody you have to respect as a receiving threat. So not inept in that regard. Somebody that I think is worth looking at would be somebody like Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. Now, again, remember... PFF does not grade for competition, so some of these high grades may have to do with the fact that he's not going up against top competition. However, he's got a ridiculously high run blocking grade. Now, it's only a 76, but it's above average to a very high degree because most of these tight ends that I'm looking at, terrible blockers. So he's got a elite receiving grade. I mean, just, just let's, let's just read through this because it just it's making me salivate a bit. And again, Maybe the smaller school thing scares people off, but six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. Here's some of the pros they have to say: solid athlete with a position who can add after the catch. Seven broken tackles last year, which, as I look over to this side, is tied for sixth in college football. Extremely sure hands. Only one drop on seventy-eight catchable passes the past two seasons. So he caught seventy-seven out of seventy-eight passes. He's the focal point of their offense and he sacrifices his body as a blocker out in space or coming across the formation. Now, they do say he doesn't have a lot of strength to block, which could be a flag. Again, he's 240 pounds, so that may be an automatic red flag, but again, something to consider. 
somebody else that's probably a better blocker than a receiver. But again, maybe that's okay. Somebody like Grant Calcaterra out of Oklahoma. Again, a small guy that maybe is going to disqual. I'm I'm struggling to find somebody here. I'm just throwing it out as far as people who grade well. And he's got a very respectable run blocking grade, although he also is just another receiver. It's just, it's hard to find blockers, man. Colby Parkinson, same thing. He's decent as far as his grade, but he doesn't do it often. He's only 240 pounds, and he's playing primarily in the slot. So, you know... It might be hard to find. The benefit of it is, though, I think most teams are looking for pure wide receivers. We have that already. We got that guy that is just a receiver that we're asking to block and is doing a relatively respectable job. I don't think it's impossible that we kind of later in the draft get a tight end that is talented but fell because his receiving ability is somewhat lacking. And he's primarily a blocker. And you get him in there and he's going to be a massive asset in the blocking game. He's going to help as far as, you know, maybe getting that outside zone going a little bit more because we're blocking on the outside better, blocking downfield a little bit better, but also slipping out once in a while to catch a couple passes for six, seven yards. And again, we could probably get those guys a little bit later because they're slightly less desirable. It's kind of like getting a fourth round center. Doesn't really mean they're bad. Just means centers are, you know, unless you're a freak, you're probably not going to go earlier than second. Um, Offensive tackle. My preference, obviously, and I I think Bakhtiari is going to be getting an extension relatively soon. I, 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 I have a hard time believing Balaga is just going to be gone, but it's possible. The problem is, who do we replace him with? And even if we do draft a tackle, which I think is important, do we draft a tackle early and immediately replace Balaga? Do we draft a tackle early, keep Balaga, and then just see, you know, if Balaga gets hurt, we have our backup. He also has a year to sit. I, I don't necessarily hate that. I know it seems silly to say a year to sit for anything other than a quarterback, but I don't think it's that that's silly. I mean, look what Brian Balaga has had to go up against this year, guys like Khalil Mack and et cetera, every single week. And it's it's pivotal. If he has bad games, we are not eight and two. These these guys are, are quarterback killers that he's had to go up against. And if we dump Balaga and don't have somebody that's qualified sitting in that spot, we're in a lot of trouble. But right now, Andrew Thomas is top dog and by a lot. He's currently number three overall on the board. He's been number one offensive tackle the entire through the entire process, left tackle for for, for, for Georgia developing a stutter as I sit here. Um, the second highest graded guy is Tristan Wirfs. He's been up there for a while. He's actually flying up the board. I thought he was an option. Now he's becoming unreachable. Again, another guy that there's only so many people that are out of your reach, and this happens every year. Well, he's going to go too high. He's going to go too high. He's going to go too high. There's only so many that can go too high. Some of these guys are going to slide, uh, but he does play right tackle. I think he actually has moved to left tackle because of injury, this, that, or the other, but um, he does have experience at right tackle. Plays at Iowa, so he's got that kind of you know, that the, the Big Ten, Midwestern, you know, farm bred. I don't know where he's from, but still, you know, he's got that kind of attitude to him. Like Brian Balaga, same way, but big, absolute monster. Uh, the only other guy right now who's actually moving up the board, he was not on this list, at least. I mean, he was, I think, like mid-rounds for a while, but he is flying up right now, and that's Alex Leatherwood, the left tackle out of Alabama. The next highest guy, actually, is... is um. Jedrick Willis, who is the right tackle out of Alabama. So the two Alabama tackles are currently third and fourth on my list. One of them is in the top 32. One is just outside. After that is Auburn's left tackle, Prince Tega Wanogo. Guy drives me insane because of his name. I have to edit it every time in my sheet because of the way it's formatted. The names have to be spelled correctly, and it just, ugh. Otherwise, Austin Jackson out of USC. Lucas Nyang, who is a right tackle out of TCU. Trey Adams. 
left tackle out of Washington, massive injury issues over the last, he was supposed to declare two years ago, but he got injured, went back to school, was going to declare last year, but got injured, and now this year is kind of his, his last year. As far as I know, he's healthy, I don't know, but very big, very talented guy, but he's kind of getting up in age, he's got a lot of injury concerns. I, I like him as far as his play, but you know, we'll see. But those are the names of the guys in the first and second round. Uh, of the right tackles that I'm aware of, not that it super matters, but it kind of does, Tristan Wirfs, uh, Jedrick Willis, Lucas Niang, and Jack Driscoll out of Auburn. He's third-round-ish guy. So I would think, as it stands right now, Jedrick Willis would make the most sense. If I was doing a mock draft and had to pick a tackle, Jedrick Willis, right tackle, Alabama. He's at 38 overall. If the Packers are picking 32, I think it's very possible that that's kind of in that range. Um, Alex Leatherwood would be the other guy. He's also out of Alabama. He's a left tackle, but, you know, maybe it's interchangeable to some degree. I don't know. But that's kind of where I would be at as far as a mock draft. Otherwise, second-round guy, uh, probably Lucas Niang, right tackle, TCU. He's 51 overall, somewhere in that range. And uh, hilariously enough... I didn't look at it until now, but Mark Jarvis actually did a mock draft yesterday for the Packers. He had Jedrick Willis as the first-round pick at pick 27 out of Alabama, so that's kind of funny. Um, in the second round, he actually had Tyler Johnson, the wide receiver out of Minnesota, so there's the slot guy that I had mentioned might be a good fit. And then he had us taking Albert Elkwegbanam, the tight end, at, in the fourth round. Trey Sermon at running back at 154. I'm skipping defense and interior offensive line because we haven't talked about that yet. And that's it. He's got two defensive linemen, a quarterback, and an interior offensive lineman. So, yeah, that that's kind of, that makes sense, right? Really just comes down to, and this is something we'll talk about more, obviously, after the season is over. We start talking about the draft. Obviously, the boards will be different, but the question is, what is top priority? And a lot of that has to do with what are the Packers' plans for a lot of these guys? What are they doing with Mercedes? What are they doing with Jimmy Graham? What do they think about other guys? What do they think about Jay Sternberger? What do they think about Dexter Williams? What are they going to do about uh, our two other running backs, Jamal and Aaron Jones, long term? What is the plan? What are they going to do with Brian Balaga? What are they going to do with Billy Turner? Do they think he can go at right tackle or not? I don't, but it doesn't matter what I think. I'm not Brian. I'm not the GM here. What do they think of the wide receivers? Are they kind of good with that situation and want to add again another mid-round talent to see if we can whatever? Wouldn't be my choice but whatever, right? These are the kind of questions that need to be answered and that we're going to be talking a lot more about again after the season and probably a little bit during. Um, there may be some questions answered depending on, I mean, who knows, retirements, trades, injuries. I'm not thinking any of those things are going to happen, but you never know. Um, and then finally, interior offensive line. And the one thing that I'll mention, and I've talked about this several times, I don't know definitively, and I'm not saying Corey Lindsley is a bad center. I don't know definitively because he's due a contract um, I think he's he's under contract through 2020, so it's not necessarily something that happens has to happen immediately. However, if the Packers were to cut him, I mean, they, they, look, again, I, I, I like Corey. He's had a couple struggles, but he's consistently one of the top centers in football, which, you know, centers are graded very, very poorly, which is probably why they're drafted later. So he's one of the highest graded centers, but one of the lower graded offensive linemen, because that's just how that works. But understand, next year, we're, we're due to pay him $10.5 million. That is a lot of money. I don't want Corey Lindsay. If we got rid of the salary cap and had infinite money, Corey Lindsay's going to stay here for a very long time. But we're looking at the potential to save $8.5 million. That's not insignificant. So, I mean, it is what it is. I, I it's, it's worth at least talking about. And then as far as guard, I, I you know, 
So we know Elton Jenkins is doing a good job. He's going to stay where he's at. Now, you could also say if we'd moved on from Corey Lindsley, Elton Jenkins could move to center and we could draft a guard. So either way, there's potential there. Could Billy Turner move to tackle? Then we need a guard. We're obviously not going to replace Billy Turner and put him on the bench because we paid him a billion dollars. We're not going to replace Elton Jenkins and put him on the bench. It's just a matter of shuffling pieces and where is the missing piece because there's probably going to be a missing piece. There doesn't have to be. could be the same offensive line next year. But I feel like we're going to draft one, and I kind of feel like the importance of it dictates that it's going to happen relatively early, but I guess I don't know. It certainly doesn't have to, but it's going to leave you feeling a little bit empty if it doesn't happen. So right now, my highest-graded interior offensive lineman, number one, is Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin, who is a center. The second-highest, also a center, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. Now, they're actually ranked 17th and 23rd, so it's entirely possible they're gone by the time the Packers pick which would mean, and and based on this board, there really isn't anybody until maybe the second round, unless you want to go early on an offensive guard out of Mississippi State, Daryl Williams. Um, I mean, just the way the numbers are lined up, if I were doing a mock draft, I wouldn't be drafting interior because Tyler's gone, Creed's gone, Daryl's not a good pick in the first round, Daryl's gone by my second pick, and then you have Solomon uh, Kindly, Kindly out of Georgia, who is you know, I, that's too early. He's kind of like an early fourth round guy. I don't, I don't want that. Or early third, I mean. So it's, it's not lining up super great. Mark in his mock draft had us taking uh, Ben Bredson, Bredesen out of Michigan. Could definitely see that being a, a, a worthwhile thing to where it's sort of a late round interior addition that's basically just depth slash if there's an injury. And then next year, if we move on, we start looking at him as a possibility slash let's draft somebody. But there aren't a huge amount of options, especially when we start looking at late first-round picks. Kind of nobody, unless Creed falls, which, I mean, I would love to have a guy named Creed, because I would just have a lot of fun with that as far as doing things from the office. A picture of Creed Humphrey, for example, with the caption that says, we should go hang out by the quarry and throw things down there. Something like that. Maybe a caption that says, what's Ruth's deal? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, just, just spitballing here. But again, all this stuff kind of comes down to what is the overarching philosophy, and that's a really, really tough question. I think wide receiver is kind of safe. It's not a a premium position necessarily, especially when you already have a number one, so we're technically talking about a number two. But it just, it feels safe in terms of you're not looking at it and saying that was a waste, We, we already have that position set, because no, especially if it's a slot guy. But a lot of these other positions become really, really tricky as far as forecasting what we should do. If I knew Brian Balaga was going out the door, this becomes very, very simple. We need to draft a tackle. But I don't know that. And I don't even think the Packers know that. I think they're going to you know, go through this process. They're going to draft the people that they have, and then they're going to analyze the, the, the roster for what it is and make the decisions from there. So you know, we'll see. But anyways, again, this was just sort of a, a brief overview. If you have any questions about some of these guys, let me know. Um, I'm going to start the process of starting to watch a few of these so that I can develop some favorites because that's just always kind of fun, especially when I don't declare myself to be a scout so I can just say crazy stuff like I like that third round guy, like Jace. Jace was my favorite tight end. I just liked him. I mean, as, as a route runner and as a receiver, it just he was one of those guys that just was like, oh, ho, ho, this guy is crazy good, right? Didn't really understand the fan thing. Didn't think he was all that great. But, you know, again, I'm not a scout. I don't know. What do I know? Just like watching football and stuff. But uh, got to get going. If you have anybody that uh, you, you want to ask about or if you have any suggestions of people that you like and want to look at, uh, maybe later on we'll start doing somewhat of a mock draft. That might be kind of a fun thing to do, so make sure you get in the Facebook group. We can participate. Maybe we'll just do that today, just for fun. Let's do a mock draft. I don't know how yet, but we'll figure it out. Anyways, get in the Facebook group. I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>